Blog Talk Radio. If I speak in tongues of angels, understanding mysteries, and in edification, open my eyes to see with a heart full of. Being proud and puffed up in my way. 
Because if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength in our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life, eternal life, God. We pray, oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord, where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us than he that is within this world, God. We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're no short of your promise, Lord. And you're able to deliver us, Lord. Touch us on today, Lord. We need you like never before. Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God. And give us a refilling, Lord. That when we leave here today, 
Lord. We can leave with your anointing, Lord, that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you because you are a healer. You're the God that healeth thee, and healing is in your wings, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. You're able to save our troubled souls, and in the name of Jesus, bind every demon, Lord, every demonic force, Lord, God, that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord, because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before, we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. While men are trying to find, God, solutions to this chaotic world, God, we're looking to you, Lord, because we know for every right desire, there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our troubled lives, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise. Hey, everybody.
Hey everybody, today we've got an exciting testimony to tell you. Mikey Jenny is going to tell us exactly how God won his heart. And man, this is a great testimony. Uh, you know, you've, want, you've seen people go really far out into the world, right? But can God truly change anyone's lives? Find out on this episode of LED Live. exciting testimony to share with you. Mikey Jenny has worked with Little Light Studios for a number of years now. I can't believe it. It goes by fast. It's already been a couple of years, but you know, we wanted to share with you guys his testimony of how he came to the Lord. And let me tell you, there's nobody too far gone. I mean, when you, when we, when you tell your story and you see some of the pictures of where Mikey was, this is kind of one of those characters that you would actually look at and be like, <laughs> I'm not even going to waste my time. Right. But here Mikey is in our ministry and in our midst and, man, sharing biblical truth with the world. I love it. Praise God. Yep. So uh, how did you come to the Lord? Did you, did you have an upbringing in Christianity and a departing from it? Yeah, my parents were actually raised in a, in a Baptist environment. So their parents were Baptist. They grew up in Baptist churches. They went through the Christian school and everything. So they kind of just always believed in God, you know. But uh, so I was raised in church. I was raised in the Baptist world. And then we kind of started venturing into more charismatic word of faith, kind of exciting. We saw the excitement there. We we're like, man, there's something going on in there. There's people shouting and dancing and speaking in tongues and healings and stuff. So we started going into those types of churches. You mean your whole family started uh, attending that? Some of them. My, my immediate family and my dad's sister and his uh you know, that side over there. So some of my cousins and stuff, we, that's actually how we started venturing that way. We saw, hmm. we started attending their church hmm. and really liked what we saw. Because hmm. it just looked like there was action, you know. It looked like right. God's moving here. Right. We're not sitting in stiff pews singing hymnals, you know. Right. So right. I was in that environment. I was seeing things that were miraculous. I was seeing, like, my cousin stretch his arm out of a cast. And, you know, I was seeing these exciting things. And around age nine, I remember my mom went inside the grocery store and I, I stayed out in the car because I just didn't want to go in the boring grocery store. And while I was out there, I was just alone with my thoughts. And I really started realizing, like, the the truth of I am a sinner that needs a Savior really hit home. Hmm. And I, I even cried and I asked Jesus into my heart and I knew that hmm. I needed a Savior. That was like, maybe that was, um, what do they call it, the... Uh, like the age, coming of age, sort of like where you're... you're the accountability. Your accountability. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I feel like that was when I reached that spot. I knew the truth about it. So I invited Christ to my heart. When my mom came out, I told her what happened. It had been the best day of her life to hear that her son accepted hmm. Christ. I started going to these youth groups in this wild church, you know. So we were literally like mosh pitting to DC talk, <laughs> Jesus freak and stuff like this was... And, of course, that was fun and exciting. But I was surrounded by all these people who believed in God. Um, they were going on mission trips and things like that. So I was in a 
godly environment where people believed in God. But around age 12, I don't know, I just started, I started to, I can now look back and see how much influence the media has. Because my parents would go on these kicks where it's like, well, we're not going to watch we're not going to watch The Simpsons. We're not going to watch Beavis and Butthead and uh, you know MTV and stuff like that. And they would, you know, try to lock out the channels and stuff. But I was at the age where I could stay home by myself. And so when they'd leave, I would, you know, be watching MTV and stuff. And that world just looked exciting. I mean, rock stars, you know, the girl, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then you see like spring break and everybody's in bikinis and hooking up and getting drunk and it's like that looked fun. Right. And I knew that was not that was what opposite of Christianity. Right. You know, right. those aren't Christians out yeah, there, yeah. They're, but they're the ones having fun. They're, they're, they're not following any sort of moral law. They're yeah. literally just like, hey, let's, <laughs> just, yeah, let's just have fun while we're young. You yeah. Know? YOLO. You only live once and they're just having a good time. So I started being drawn into that. I was liking the music. And then one day I saw this guy named Marilyn Manson. Mm. And it was a, the first time he ever like appeared on TV, um, a song called Sweet Dreams. And I was just like, instantly attracted to that i i can look back and, and realize there was these shows called like ricky lake and stuff mm-hmm. where they would um these talk shows where their parents were like my my child's out of control and they'd right, come right. out wearing like black yeah, lipstick and black hair <laughs> and even as a young kid i always looked at that and there's something attractive about it to me you know? Is, know is it just because it was like you know causing fear in people <laughs> or something like what's the i don't know people people would often say you're trying to you're, you're seeking attention. I was like, no, I actually hate when people stare at me or whatever. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, we're we're just drawn to sin. You know, mm-hmm. there's something about there's, it. There was something really dark and sinister with with him, especially. Yeah. I mean, him coming out with the whole album, Jesus Christ, yeah, Antichrist, Antichrist superstar. Yeah, Antichrist superstar. Yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting how long ago this is. Just to to show who he is, he would on stage there'd be like this huge pulpit that he would stand up on. And then these banners would drop down that looked like Hitler, but they were like his logo. And he would rip out pages of the Bible and wow. throw them out in the audience. And um, and his album was called Antichrist Superstar. And he was singing about stuff that even as a Christian in that Baptist-type world, I had never heard of. Like he had a song called Little Horn. Hmm. I didn't even know what that was. And yeah. he was saying, Little Horn is here and stuff. Wow. So he was yeah. really pushing wow. some, you know... Yeah, I mean, you've got to know the prophecies and stuff yeah. to be able to put that into your music. Yeah. You know, I mean, these aren't guys that are just like, oh, that sounds cool. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I guarantee you, that guy, if you sat down and had like a great controversy Bible study with him, <laughs> yeah. he'd probably shock you with how much information he knows about it. Yeah, he, even if he was just studying it to twist it, because right. I think his whole mission, actually his whole mission was to destroy Christianity. Right. He said Christians are just holding us back, right. you know. Right. So you get it caught up in this whole mess of things. Yeah, so I'm attracted to this, but I'm at an age where I can't really dress that way or whatever. My parents aren't going to go for that at this point. I'm I'm pretty young when that happened. At age 12, I just started having these real skeptical, thought-provoking questions, and I'd ask my parents, you know, how come, how come God says, thou shalt not kill, yet he murdered the entire world with a flood? And they're just like, um, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd ask pastors these types of things. And they'd be like, well, you know, there's some things we just won't know until we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. What kind of answer is that? You know, right, to me, it's right. not like a cop-out. And I'm right. like, Christians don't even know right. why they believe what they believe. So why am I going to, you know, dedicate my life to this when they don't even know what they believe or why they believe it? So, again, the media started seeing these movies like The Craft and these 
hot chicks are doing all this cool casting spells and changing the color of their hair and their eyes and driving down a street and changing the color of the light. And it didn't make it look fantasy. This made it look more like you can do this at home. You can practice this. You can use a Ouija board and spell books and all this. So I began to to use the internet and search into, I'd read forums of people who were practicing this stuff and I would look up how do you do binding spells and things like that and was just really getting sucked into this world. Is it because you're like wielding power? Like you have power over the elements or power over people? Is that kind of what the, the real attraction I to think, it is? Yeah, I think it is the power. And for me, I've always been a truth seeker. As long as I can remember, even back in, the, I, I went to school in the public school system and in elementary school, I would check out books on aliens, UFOs, ghosts, and not like fantasy. These were like photographs of there's a ghost or there's a UFO. Right. And I've just always wondered what is out there. There's something out there. I, I never consider myself an atheist. Hmm. Atheist just like it's science. There's nothing out there. I knew there was a mystery in the world, and I wanted to know the truth about it, yet Christians didn't have the answers. They were dropping the ball. Right, right. Many, many Christians don't have the answers to that. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's unfortunate because there are some things in the world that I think that we should have answers for. I mean, the Bible's mm. full of, of explanations, and we should know how to address some of these topics when they come up. Yeah. For prime example, when you're, you know, 12 years old, that's when you're starting to make a decision, do I want this in my life or not, yeah. you know? Yeah, so by age 13, I was just full-fledged, uh, agnostic, but anti-Christ. I mean, I was dressed in all black, wearing the makeup, um, depressed because it's like, if this life is just one lifespan and then you're dead and then nothing you did in life matters. I mean, right. you could be the biggest rock star on earth. You're going to die and be forgotten. All of it's deleted. What is the point? What's the purpose of, of earning up, you know, going to school and becoming a doctor or an inventor, or a, the biggest rock star on earth, if it's just gone. Right. The, you right. could be. You, there'd be no difference in being a prisoner all your life because, in the end, it's the same result. Right. You might as well have fun while you're here. That was exactly what I ended up doing. Was just trying to think of it differently. I was like, well, I got one life to live. I might as well have all the fun I can, indulge in all the mindless indulgence, pleasure that I could. You know, which just drove me to. Terrible deeper, things. Deeper, deeper things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like just drunkenness, experimenting with drugs, experimentation in every avenue, and just trying to fulfill every lustful desire hmm. imaginable. And when you when you step back and look at the big picture, all those roads lead to destruction. That's right. At the moment, it, it seems like fun, you know. But then you step back and you're like, man, how many brain cells did I kill? How, how right. much damage did I do to my liver? Or... How many people could I have killed in that drunk driving accident or whatever? Right. And and so while it looks fun, it's a destructive road. Right, right. Um, so I'm, I'm living this way for a while, and I've never stopped being a truth seeker. But during that time, me and my friend decided to, to form this, like, two-man band. It was a, like an industrial gothic band. We were both into Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails, and that was, that was the genre we were going for. And... I just wanted to be as shocking as he could be. So everything I said was totally anti-Christ and to the point where it even made him uncomfortable. Wow. <laughs> like he wasn't a believer per like se. Like super blasphemous in your in your lyrics and things. Yeah, just like mocking the crucifixion and everything, wow. you know. And, um, but 
you know, he wasn't even a believer, but this stuff made him uncomfortable because he knew, oh yeah, by, by the way, I had moved to this small, really small town in Georgia, and I was just like total outcast there. Everybody was like, you know, redneck and proud of it. <laughs> to, to call somebody a redneck, they were proud of that. It wasn't like a, like a, <laughs> right. a bad term or anything. And so while I'm in this environment, you know, that's why it made him uncomfortable because he's like, wow, most of the population is Christian and these things you're saying are just way out there. But I just wanted to be a shock rocker. I wanted to shock people. And so I was living this way for all this time. And I just reached like a rock bottom, man. Like, like you know that life's not fulfilling. Yeah. Like the more, the more parties you go to, the more you know, events that you, you are blaspheming God. It's like you don't walk away with that feeling <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. But so I'd been living in this small town and just wanted to move back to Chattanooga. Like every day of my life, I was just like, man, I miss Chattanooga. And I graduated from high school and my parents were going through a divorce. Mm. It's just one more depressing thing to add to a teenager's life. But during that divorce, me and my dad decided to move back to Chattanooga. We were only living in Georgia for my mom's side of the family. And my cousin, my cool cousin who I always looked up to, drove five hours in his pickup truck to help us move. Mom. And when he got there, him and my mom were, were discussing things and they were talking and I found out my, my, my cousin became a Christian. They were starting to share each other's testimonies. And I had heard my mom share a testimony. This is, this is always something I gotta include my mom all her life growing up was fear-based conversion. Mm -hmm. If you do not say this prayer, you will burn for eternity. Right. And she saw a little girl when she was young burned in a fire. And to her, it, it was terrifying. She was like, I would never want that to happen to me. And I can't imagine doing that for eternity and never ending. Mm -hmm. And so every night she would go to bed and say, Lord, uh, save me right now, because I don't, I don't want to die and go to hell. And wow. she'd be like, I hope that wow. I hope that worked. Cause like it didn't like it didn't matter what your moral life was. When, yeah. You know, it's like you follow just because you're you're fearful of what's going to happen at the very end. And and most of all, it wasn't out of love. Right. It wasn't, Lord, you've done all this for me. I I want right. to serve you for eternity. It was like anything but that <laughs> right 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 and and god is not he gets no pleasure out of fear-based conversion right god does not want heaven or e the eternal earth to be full of people who are like well I, I really didn't sign up for this but i sure didn't want the alternative you know right. he wants people who are just like lord i'll do anything for you you've changed my life you're the whole reason i'm alive you know he's looking for true friendship true love and that does not come out of fear right um, so she battled this her whole life living in fear. And then when we started hanging out with my cousins who went to this new church, um, she really like started seeking, like, I want a true salvation. I, I want mm. to, I really want to invite Christ in my life and I want him to change. Mm. And, but she, she just had this like complication. Like, I can't understand how you believe something in your heart and not your head. She always was, mm -hmm. was told you have to believe it in your heart. You have to believe that you believe that you believe, you know, this assurance. And um, she just couldn't figure out how to do that. And one day she was at a Bible study with my uncle and he just kept reading scripture, which was awesome. Hmm. Scripture, scripture, scripture. And he got the one verse and she said it was like God stopped her on that verse and he just kept reading. Hmm. And she said it was like he tuned out in the background and she was like, whoa, whoa, go back to that verse you just read, something about believe. And he said, it, it's this verse, I wish I knew the reference right now, but he said, 
if you can't believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Right. And all it, things are possible to him that believeth. Yeah, and it was like she said God literally gave her a vision of a of a dictionary unfolding, and she could tell you it was like on the left page, this column, and gave her the perfect definition of the word believe and how to do it. Hmm. And all of a sudden she was just like, I can believe, I can believe. And like hmm. God just made sense of what she was struggling with hmm. using the word of God. And from that moment on, she accepted Christ and she never doubted again. And it was a totally different. It was not fear-based hmm. conversion. Right. She surrendered right. her life to God. And so throughout my teenage years, I would hear her share this testimony all the time. Every chance she got, she would share this testimony, and it would just make my skin crawl, which is weird because now I look at that and, like, that's the power of the Word. That's the right. power of right. testimonies right. that I was so full of evil and demons and who knows what that every time my mom would share this amazing story that transformed her life, it would make my skin crawl and I want to leave the room. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So now my my cousin and my mom are sharing their testimonies before while we're packing up our things to to move back to Chattanooga in my cousin's truck. And, and I'm just kind of overhearing a little bit what he's saying about how his life has changed. He's my older cousin I always looked up to and I always thought he was cool and now he's a Christian. And so we took we loaded up my dad's car and my cousin's truck. Well, my dad drove and I got stuck in the truck with my cousin. And I say stuck. I, I enjoyed being with him, but I'm in the. I'm stuck just me and him for five hours. He's got me for five hours to nice. preach to me, man. Nice. And so for the whole That's drive, how God works. yeah, for the whole drive, and and it was like perfect timing. It was God timing. I was at this low. You know, my parents were getting divorced. Nothing's fulfilling. I'm moving away, which is good, but at the same time, I'm you know I'm being separated from like now friends. I've made. All over. Yeah, exactly. All this is like fresh. And it was just like this perfect timing. And he was connecting with me on ways that my parents couldn't. My, my parents are my parents. They're right. old. You're from the past. Right. You don't think like I do. Right. And now my cousin's like, dude, my whole life has changed. He's like, this book has the answers to everything. He's like, dude, I'll just sit in the tub and fast and just read. And, and it's like the whole atmosphere around me changes. Wow. And he was like reaching me where I was at. He was like, it's kind of like that magic stuff you're into. Like it's a, a miraculous book. You read it and things happen. I pray and I see miracles happen. Wow. And it was intriguing me. Interesting. And, and I, how the Holy Spirit knew like what would kind of like open up your heart to him. You know, in yeah. fact, if he, maybe if he came at a different angle, you'd be like, eh, whatever. Exactly. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Like uh, you can, you can live righteously. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, mm. yeah. But he, you know, God is so personal. He knows how to, how to communicate with you on your level. And he really intrigued me. And so when I moved back to Chattanooga, I really started thinking about it. I was like, I hate when people judge me for the way I look. You know, I would have friends that would say, my parents don't like me to hang out with you because of the way I look or whatever. And then I'd meet the parents finally, and they're like, oh, you're nothing like I thought you would be. And I, I would always be like, man, these people are judgmental, you know. And so I realized I was being judgmental. Why am I judging God by all the hypocrites that represent him and right. all these little... Right. Things I'm trying to do to yep. debunk the Bible and when I've never even read it. Yep. Which is so often the case. People look at Christianity or a poor representation of mm. what we're supposed to be like and they go, I don't want to be like that. If that guy's yeah. like that, I don't want to be like that. Not not thinking that you know, we're engaged in a full-blown war. Yeah. 
I mean, if Satan is, is, is looking at this situation like a military operation, he's not going to go after the people that are already on his side. I mean, sure, he's deceiving them as well, but yeah. he's going to put his concentration and his effort on those individuals and, and throw a lot of junk at them. So that's why yeah. I think when you look at Christianity and you go, wow, they're really messed up. Well, yeah, they've got <laughs> legions of angel, evil angels yeah. trying to influence them. Yeah, Satan's like, I, I've already won them over. I don't need to work on them anymore. That's I need right. to get that's you right. know, Jesuits in the church that's or whatever. Right. Infiltration, right. you know. Yeah. And so I realized I was judging God unjustly. I mean, I, was, I hadn't read the Bible myself. I'm pointing the finger at all these people. And so I really just reached a spot where I was like, I've tried everything else. Everything else brings me hopelessness, emptiness, drugs, sex, the occult. None of it brought joy. None of it brought anything that I felt like I could die for, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my cousins, which was my cousin's sister and her husband, they opened up their home to me and my dad to live with them until we could get on our feet. And so I started reading the Bible, man. I wow. just started with Genesis, and I'd read it, and it, it was just mind-blowing to me. I was like, I've never heard any of this stuff in church. I've been wow. in church my whole life, right, right, right. and never heard stuff in Genesis, you right, know, right. because there's always, like, these core stories that you hear over and over. In the New Testament. Yeah, in the New Testament, for sure. And so I'm just, like, mind-blown. I'm like, wow, this book really is interesting, you know. And then um, my, so at this time, if you can tell, I, I had piercings and everything in my face, and was having a, a tough time finding a job. I thought I was going to be moving back to the city and I could get a job wearing all this stuff, but it wasn't that way. Every I started to get interviews, and it, three times I had an interview in the job, and during the interview, the boss would say, oh, and you know you can't wear all this stuff in your face. Wow. And I literally stood up and said, oh, I didn't realize you discriminate against people with piercings, and I walked out of there. Wow. I mean, like... I needed a job. I'm right. living with my cousins who are waiting on us to get on our feet, and I'm walking out of interviews. But I thought I was, like, doing, you know, pioneering the way for my kids who were going right. to have to struggle and all this stuff. Right. And it got to the point where my cousin and her husband sat me down and said, you know, your dad's got a job already. Um, it's not enough to help you guys get on your feet yet. And you've walked out of three interviews, you know, because of these piercings. They're like, maybe God's trying to tell you these are like an idol in your life or something. And I was like, whatever. Yeah, right. I was just like, I'll just do what I got to do. You know, I realized I, that I need to do what I need to do. So I took out all my piercings, put on a college shirt, and went down this long road of all these jobs. Hmm. And, uh, you know, finally the, la the last place on my list to go was this place called Smoky Bones. It was a barbecue restaurant. Hmm. And um, I go in there, and I'm, I'm talking to this lady who's a manager, and while I'm talking to her, she notices that I got two holes in my lip. And she goes, oh, you got lip rings? I said, yeah, you know, got to take them out, get a job for the man. And, and she goes, oh, I understand. And she flipped out a septum piercing, which is this thing. She flipped it out. She had it hidden up in her nostrils. And she's like, uh, oh, wow. yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, I understand. And she goes, come back tomorrow. I, I want to introduce you to my general manager. So wow. it was just because of that, which was weird. You know, it was like right. a, a little connection because of the piercing thing. But she liked me and told me to come hmm. back. The next day I got the job. So I'm working at this job that I hate, having to take my piercings out every day. They, they're getting infected, and I'm just hmm. like hating every minute of it. But after a couple of weeks of working there, um, me and her would always talk. And I said, yeah, the, I really have been trying to get a job at Hot Topic. I said, I, I Xeroxed my application 10 times and gave it to them every day. 
this place, if you don't know, it's a store in the mall. That's, their slogan is all about the music. Mm -hmm. And and when you walk by, you just hear right. metal music blasting right. out it's of kind there. Kind of a dark store, like yeah. you know. They, I think they sell magic stuff. And it used you know, to be a lot or, darker. They've yeah. they've kind of sold out or whatever. But yeah, yeah it used to smell like leather. And right, right, right. <laughs> they, all, they sold all the Marilyn Manson stuff. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to work there because you can dress in normal clothes. You can have your piercings in. When I say normal clothes, I mean like you could dress gothic. Right, right. <laughs> but. Um, when I told her that, I said, yeah, I really want to get a job at Hot Topic, and I've been trying to do it for weeks now, try to get a job, but you got to know somebody to get a job there. Mm -hmm. They know that a bunch of weirdos are trying to apply there, right. so they want to make sure that nobody yeah. comes that's a thief or whatever. Right. So you really have to know somebody to get the job there. And she goes, oh, my, my best friend's the manager there. Oh, wow. Dude, what I forgot to say was, while I was reading the Bible, I started putting God to the test and praying like, for a job at Hot Topic. Interesting. I was like, Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself to me through this word and give me this job at Hot Topic. And, and I was putting in the applications every day, yeah. you know. I was like calling to check up. Hey, did you guys check that application? And It's know, like almost like treating God a bit like a genie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I give my three wishes. You give me my wishes <laughs> and I'll believe in you. That's the way I felt, too. Yeah. I felt like... I, I was supposed to pray the prayer and open my eyes and it would materialize right in front of me. But God was answering that prayer. And she said, my best friend's the manager over there. Hmm. And I'm going to tell her that you're a good worker when they have an opening to consider hmm. you. Three months later, I'm talking of a few short three months. This place didn't hire that often. Hmm. And within three months, I was working at Hot Topic. And I realized that this was God answering my prayer because hmm. it wasn't that God is a magical genie making things materialize, they weren't hiring. Right. God can't, I mean, I'm not saying God can't, but it's not like he's just going to push yeah. somebody out, right. make somebody drop dead, and right. you're going to get their position. Right. He was working through the, the natural. So he was guiding my path. Uh, you're going to get this job because that's the person who knows the manager who's mm. going to get you the job, and you're going to have your uh, answer. You're going to have your answer to your prayer. And I didn't. I didn't look at this like, yeah, all my effort, all my applications and meeting the right people. I was like, wow, God answered my prayer. Yeah. And he did it in a way where I would know it was him. Interesting. That's how God's so personal. He's not going to do this for everybody, you know. Right. He's, he's not going to give everybody like a vision or whatever. Right, right. But he will sometimes. Mm -hmm. If you need that, that's what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And he did it. He did what he did for me in a way that made sense. And mm -hmm. I had a post-it note and I wrote, God got me the job at Hot Topic. Thank you, Jesus. And I stuck it on my mirror and I saw it every day. Wow. And and people might think that's weird. God got you a job at a place that sells metal music and has right. piercings. But it's right. it's these small steps of him revealing himself to me and, and changing me over time. So I started to believe in God. I was like, man, this Bible's real. I'm, I'm believing mm. in God. I'm, I'm believing in, in prayer, but I'm just not ready to become a Christian yet. Right, right, right. <laughs> Oh man, a Christian for real. I'm in the clubs, dude. I'm like working at Hot Topic. I'm I'm finally living the yeah. dream, you know, and and I'm having fun. So you're I, like, thanks God for the job, and then you just kind of go about your own world. Yeah, well, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, now that I know you're real, I'll give my life to you on my deathbed, and I'll I'll be with you in heaven oh, for eternity. You know, it's just this twisted mindset. I think a lot of people fall for that too. Like that Christianity isn't really a life change it's just right. i get to go to heaven when i die right. and and then everything will change right. god right. will change you know when the change comes i'll be right. changed right so 
you know, now I'm still living this party animal lifestyle. Nothing's really changed except I do believe in God and I'm I'm praying to Him and stuff. And um, one night, and, and and when you work at Hot Topic, you get all these mall rat kids that just look up to you like mm-hmm. like a celebrity, like oh, you work at Hot Topic. Mm-hmm. And I started this clothing line called Execute Clothing, mm-hmm. and all these kids like really loved it. And I started buying it, and it and it really took off. I started um, like giving out samples to models all over the world, mm-hmm. uh, California, Spain, Australia, literally all over the world, and then getting bands metal bands and rappers to wear my brand so there was dr acula chelsea grin attila then if anybody knows soldier boys who soldier boy is Mm -hmm. his Mm -hmm. click so jabbar uh lil arab lil playboy Hmm. um they were wearing my clothes and stuff and i wasn't making any money off of this was all just promotion this was the beginning stages but i did have like a local celebrity status and me and my friend as a joke started like this rap group where it was real gimmicky everything was about we, we were just like what's every rap about uh beer girls smoking blunts and you know all the cars or whatever so we just made these songs that were about that stuff and it was just real gimmicky and the first night we had it we were like invited at this show it was actually a fashion show slash entertainment so i was there to i had runway models wearing my execute clothing Hmm. but then me and my friend did one song we did a set with one song and i was wearing like this bandana over my eye like tupac and had my shirt off and all the tattoos were drawn on me and stuff and we had these hundred dollar bills with his face my friend's face on it and we're just like throwing out money i had fly girls and stuff so it was like it looked bigger than it was you know we would say fake it till you make it yeah it was right 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 and because of that, everybody just loved this thing and wanted more. So we started doing a monthly show at this club, and we started writing songs and, and performing shows, and it would just pack out. I mean, this little club just packed till the doors were busting open. And we would uh, represent Bud Ice, which is a real cheap, nasty beer. But um, my friend actually had an interview or like a meetup with one of the Bud Ice representatives and they said, we're seeing a spike of sales in your area. Oh, wow. <laughs> and oh, we're wow. going to start giving you Bud Ice for your shows. Oh, wow. And they said, we can't technically legally call it a sponsorship yet, right. but we're going to give you free beer for your shows. That's interesting. So, I mean, this was like, I, I thought my dreams were being fulfilled. Like, right. Dude, like people are starting to give us free stuff. Yeah, free stuff. And so we're having all these parties and stuff. And... Um, and like I said, when you're the celebrity status, like I didn't have any trouble finding a party to go to or whatever. Like literally when I was at work, my phone would be blowing up and there'd be like three or four people asking me, what are you doing tonight? There's this party, that party. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I get to choose where I'm going to go tonight. You know. Mm-hmm. But one particular night in April of 2005, uh, nobody was hitting me up and I was hitting everybody up. Where's the party at? Oh, I'm actually hanging out with a girl tonight or, oh, I'm out of town. Mm-hmm. Nobody was there to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a relief. It was like, well, hmm. sometimes I felt overwhelmed with friends, so I, I just went home, and um, I, I just start watching The Simpsons. I'm just relaxing, and all of a sudden, I felt like God was saying, why don't you pray? Hmm. And I was like, that's weird. But I believe in God, and I believe in prayer, and it just felt like this nudge, you know, so I, I said, all right, and I hit mute, 
I did what I felt led to do. I, I muted the TV and I just started praying. I was trying to think of things to pray about. Lord, help this friend. I know they're in trouble and help this person. And hmm. and while I was praying, I felt like I heard God say, this is your moment. Hmm. And I opened my eyes. I was like, wait a minute. Because I knew it was about becoming a Christian and I still wasn't ready for that yet. Right. I thought, and I opened my eyes. I'm like, oh no, that, that must have been some random thought. That right, wasn't God, right, you know. Right. But then... When I thought that, it was like a smack of reality. It was like, you're seeking for truth. You're looking for God. God has shown himself to you, and you are rejecting him. He's saying, this is your moment, and you're saying no. Hmm. And I was like, I can believe in the Bible. I can believe in God. I can believe he's answering my prayers. Mm-hmm. Why can't I believe he's saving my life right now? Hmm. And it was that same word, belief, the hmm. same word from my mom. Right when I had that thought, why can't I believe these things? God showed me things like he brought to my memory of my mom telling her testimony. Believe in all things are possible to him that believeth. He hmm. showed me this little mirror magnet that I bought my mom for Mother's Day that said that verse on there. I bought hmm. it for her because that was her verse. And then God is so cool and personal, he even used this. I used to play this video game called Pa Rapper the Rapper, and it's this little rapping dog, and you make him say the words. But when you beat this certain level, he spins around and he says, I just got to believe. And I always thought it was like comical, you know, and God like threw that in my mind. And I'm just like, wow. And it was just like, God was saying like, Hmm. he's so personal. I'm cool. I'm the reason you think things are cool or funny. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that created you and created all these emotions that you feel. Mm -hmm. And I just like felt God all over. And I just surrendered right then and said, God, I believe that you're saving my life right now. Hmm. Come into my life. Change me. I want to start living for you. I'm not afraid to become a Christian anymore. And so that day, I invited God into my life, but I was still a baby Christian, man. I was still like, it's all a growth, you know. It wasn't an overnight change for me. So I did accept Christ, and I probably wasn't doing the best at Bible study and everything. So I was still living this lifestyle. That was 2005. Um, 2011 is when God really opened my eyes about the signs of the times. I didn't Mm. think we were really living in the last days. I I just didn't feel like it. But then God kind of like made the veil fall and I was just like, wow, new world order and all this stuff. And it made revelation make sense to me. It made me believe the Bible even more because I'm like, wow, the Bible predicted all this stuff. You see those things unfolding in our world today. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I was starting to tell Christians about that. Like, wow, you guys are right. You know, we are in the last days. Look at this and this and this. And they're like, Oh, that's conspiracy theory. I'm like, yeah. conspiracy wait, wait, theory? Wait. You saying we're in the last days yeah, and you're not yeah, seeing yeah, it right. happen? How how do you not get in this? Um, so then I was like, man, these people. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I I started doing Bible studies with my ex girlfriend's dad, who was a Baptist, and uh, he wanted to do Bible studies with me every Wednesday. So he'd come to my house, and I mean, at this point, I was I was drinking a beer during Bible study and stuff. Wow. I mean, I just I God is patient. Yes, and and I. Sometimes I look back like, was I really a Christian, you know? But it says in Acts that God winks at your sins committed in ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I I think that I probably was because I was thinking, well, Jesus turned water into wine. I mean, mm-hmm. why can't I drink a beer? Right, right. He said every green herb bearing seed, I'm going right. to smoke up this green herb, yeah. you know? So I was like self-deceived and I, and I um, knew that Solomon had all these wives and stuff. And so I felt like I was living this type of lifestyle. I'm a rapper. I got these girls and alcohol and all this. Um, but I'm doing Bible studies. <laughs> which is another thing Ira Myers was doing. We're smoking our weed yeah. and having Bible study. Yeah, yeah. So um, he, he starts trying to show me the pre-tribulation rapture. And I'm like, where is it at? I don't, 
I don't see what you're hmm. saying. He said, well, some people believe in pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib, but we believe pre-trib. And, and he said, because it says you're changing a moment in the twinkle of an eye. And I'm like, yeah, but I see that. Yeah. <laughs> but I also see Christians being beheaded for not taking the mark. So I don't get this in, a, in this timeline you're saying. Hmm. And he would always be like, well, we can agree to disagree. Well, let's just keep studying or whatever, which was cool. I, I'm glad that he did that with me. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. um, but I was a valet at a hospital, and I started finding these little tracks called Signs of the Times, and I'd read it, and it'd be like, mm. people have these near-death experiences of hell, but this is what the Bible says. And I'm like, wow, the Bible says that? Mm. Um, a week or two later, somebody knocks on my door. I literally answer the door with a beer in my hand. I'm, I'm still drinking all the time. Wow. And, um, and I'm talking to him through the doorway, and he's just, hey, uh, uh, just in the area, and, you know, and I, I thought it was cool. I, I love talking to Christians. I'm a Christian now. And and I start, I ask him, hey, man, you ever heard of New World Order? Hmm. Because everybody else was telling me I'm a conspiracy theory, a theorist. Um, he pulls out this flyer out of his back pocket and unfolds it. And he said, you should come to this event. The first night said New World Order. Nice. Dude, you talk like, about it. Well, there's a church that actually talks yeah, about this dude. kind of stuff. Talk about God, like, knows where you're at and, like, puts people in your path and connecting the dots, man. Because I was like, wow. So I went to this event, and uh, I didn't get to make every night, so I kind of missed some of the things. But I knew that they knew some truth, man. And so this guy kept coming back and was studying with me, and he knew that if I could see it in the Bible, I'm going to believe it. He didn't have to tiptoe around and let's go through all these little beliefs. Right, 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 right. He was just like, I'll give you this presentation that talked about the uh, state of the dead, right. and the rapture, everything, all in one presentation. I was like, wow, I, it's all Scripture, you know. So I was I was in uh, pretty quick, and and this guy who was studying with me though that came to my door, he he realized that I was kind of a conspiracy theorist, and he was like, I think you'd like these guys. He handed me two DVDs of Little Light Studios. <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> bootleg, mind you. And uh, and I watched them. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was just like, dude, these guys are seeing all the same kind of stuff I'm starting to see, you know. And I, I was starting to see like the occult, like blatant occult symbols and stuff like that and a lot of stuff. But you guys were like, look at the storyline, look at the person's name. And I was just mind blown. And I was like, man, I wish I could wow. work for that ministry. You know, they're doing something that I, I can identify with. Mm -hmm. And um, so I told my friend at work and I said, dude, have you ever heard of Little Light Studios? He's like, I know those guys, man. I got their number. That's awesome. I'm like, whoa, that's cool. He <laughs> said so they're in California. And I was like, yeah, you know, I wish I could work there. That's crazy. They live in California. He said, why don't you call them? I was like, and, and do what? He said, I don't know, just talk to them. They're cool. So I, you remember? Oh, yeah. And I remember getting the phone call. I, I even remember where, where I was sitting, and you, <laughs> you had called me, and you were, you were asking about moving to California and yeah. going to Hollywood and, and doing some things, and you kind of told me a little bit about your, your experience with the whole rap game and all this <laughs> kind of stuff, you know? And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, so I called you and kind of shared my testimony and stuff, not knowing you didn't know who I was for sure. And um, but that was still kind of my my plan. I mean, my house, all my furniture was in storage already. Hmm. I had a box of money saved to go, like a couple thousand dollars that I was saving up tips. And my friend had already moved out there. He was living with his girlfriend. This is the guy that you were a rapper with, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't on the same page as I was, but like I said, I was going to try to get a reputation and then start spreading this truth. Mm -hmm. And um, just a little bit before that, me and my friend had already shot a video in California. Right. So we were at a mansion, dude, a mansion with a swimming pool, girls in bikinis, beer everywhere. 
and and the guy who was shooting the the music video had done work on the Green Mile. He was uh, he shot reality shows for MTV, and we had a whole cast and crew set. Like they were doing people's hair and wardrobe and everything. Now, where'd you get the funding for all this, or people would just do it for free? It was just connects, man. The, wow. the girl that uh, we knew in California put out an ad on Craigslist. She was like. Um, she didn't say who the artist was. It was like artist undisclosed. So people were like, oh, it might be Snoop yeah, Dogg. Yeah, right, you know? right, right, right. So people just started showing up. You know, they're all in California because they want to do this as a career. So they're trying to get their foot in the door. Right. And so all these they people showed up. Camera. Yeah. So we did pay. Um, the cameraman said he would only work for free if we paid his light men. He said, I only work with these certain light guys and they'll do hmm. it for a hundred bucks. So we paid them. Hmm. And then one of the models was like, oh, I wasn't really sure it was free. I need to get home. So I think we bought her an uber or something um so really the whole thing just like i said i really believed that god was was like making my dreams come true i felt like this is king solomon you know this he's answering all my dreams Hmm. um and it was it was weird it was real supernatural kind of because i would just always bump into the right people at the right time and and have these celebrities wearing my clothes and stuff and when i came back from having that music video shot I changed my flight date to a day later. I was like, I need to stay here one more day. So I changed my date. And then in the LAX airport, at the same terminal as me, is this guy wearing head-to-toe SODMG, which is Soldier Boy's record label. Mm-hmm. And I went over there. I was like, do you know, are you with so, uh, SOD Money Gang? He, go, he smiled. He goes, I'm the CEO. Wow. I'm like, dude, no way. Like, I'm from Chattanooga. I came out here just shooting a music video. I'm showing him behind the scenes, and right. he's like, whoa, y'all are doing a big. I was like, dude, this is my clothing line, pulling the shirts out of my bag. And then I'm showing on my phone pictures of his guys wearing my clothing line. And he's just like, whoa, whoa, what? And so I'm starting to give him clothes so he can give to Soldier Boy and stuff. And uh, this guy did a promo video with me in the airport. Like, I got some random stranger to hold the camera, and we're like, yeah, we out here in California. And, and like... This guy was even like, can you watch my Louis Vuitton bags while I go to the store and stuff? Like, wow. It was just like, dude, this is crazy. When I talked to him, he said, you know what? I actually changed my flight to a day earlier. So I was like, man, this is so supernatural. Like, wow. I changed my date to a day later. He changed his date to a day earlier, and we, and we hmm. meet up. And I just really felt like God was fulfilling my dreams. And then it was like God said, you see how close you are to this dream. You see the Bud Ice sponsorships. You see the celebrities wearing your clothing line. You got all the connections. If you continue this, it will happen. Right. I mean, you're, you're planning on moving to California. You got all these people waiting on you. Or you can lay it all down and live for me and wow. for what I have for you. Wow. My story is not, well, I tried and everything came crumbling right, right, down. Right. So but, I was like, God, all right. Yeah. And it was, I was at the peak. And just like Jesus came to the fishermen, they had the biggest catch of the day. He said, drop your nets and follow That's me. Right. That's He's right. like, they couldn't even bring the nets in. You know, That's they were right. breaking, and he was like, yeah. drop it all and follow Finally, me. they've made it, and yeah. then it's like, abandon it. And that's where it was for me. And I, I feel like God kind of allow, you know, was allowing yeah. me to do that for a while because he knew that if I would have just jumped right into Christianity full-fledged, always in the back of my mind, what would happen if I would have done it my way? Right, you know? right, right, right. Um, which I have seen happen. Point. I've good seen point. with some of my other friends that just kind of like overnight, I'm vegan, I don't, I'm sober and all this stuff, and they fall back. Right. You know, you've seen it too. You right. Know, so, you know, so yeah, you know, you're bringing up a good point. I mean, the way that God often works is he, he, he sees the end result. Yeah. So he's like not concerned necessarily about the just 
immediate. He knows yeah. what is going to bring you to this point over here. Yeah. And I think that that powerful choice where that, that's kind of what our MO is with our ministry. It's like mm -hmm. we, we show people what, what goes on in the movies, right? But we actually don't tell them what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like exactly. then, then it's this point of like we're going to show you the information, but then it's up to you because you making that decision, I want to unplug. Yeah. I don't want to watch this stuff anymore, is more powerful than me going, you need to do this, That's and then right. they... they um, Make a knee-jerk reaction or something. Yeah. And I, you know, you, it's probably happened before, like at Ivor Myers thing, like, get rid of all your movies, and right. everybody, the altar call, but then right. it's like, when does that collection just fill back up again? Right, right. And to be honest, that happened with me. Right. <laughs> I saw his thing, and I was like, we're throwing it all out, and the collection built back up, you know. But God was patient. He was allowing me to make the, the decision. And so I reached this point, and it was in, uh, it was around 2012 that um, I decided, yeah. I, I called my friend who was already in California waiting on me to move there, and I knew he was not going to take the this night easily. You know, I knew he wasn't going to take it good. Because right. he I'm, needs you. Yeah, yeah. like we're a two-man band. He really felt like together we were the only way he could do it. And he's already out there, and he's already been calling me, like, when you come in, I'm like, I'm working on it. Now I'm gonna tell him I'm not coming. Wow! And I said a, I said a short prayer before I answered. Before I called, I was like, Lord, just make this go well. You know, don't I don't want him to be angry or anything. Mm -hmm. I called him. I told him I was like, Dude, I just I don't feel like I can do this. You know, I, mm -hmm. I don't feel like this is the right thing. And uh, you know, my my plans are kind of changing. He said, Well, you know, you know, maybe we can try next year or something. Like mm -hmm. it was just totally out of character the way he took it so lightly. And um. I'm telling you, from that point on, when I made that decision, I got more serious about wanting to study this new Bible truth that I was seeing about prophecy and everything. And um, we opened up our our home to the church to have Bible study in every Thursday. We'd have like sometimes 10 to 20 people at our house every Thursday. Every Wednesday, there'd be a woman coming to study with my wife and a guy coming to study with me at like different times. And... Um, I was really starting to feel convicted about my lifestyle. Like me and my wife were just like, we need to get married. You know, we were living mm. together, not married, and and together we just we need to get married. So we mm. got married, and um, she was actually led to the Lord through all this because when I met her, she wasn't a believer, mm. and her mom had become a believer through rehab. So to her, it just seemed like, oh, my mm. mom just found mm. God. Yeah, she's dealing with yeah it. another yeah. crutch or whatever. But she saw something in me and my dad and my cousin when we hung out that she wanted and, and she realized that um, that she was missing something and she mm. wanted. She said, I feel like there's a hole in me that needs to be filled and he's the only one that can fill it. Mm. And that was awesome. So during all these studies, I'm just feeling convicted about my lifestyle and um, you know, I'm still drinking and smoking every day, but now I'm like, I don't need to be doing this stuff. My house was the type of household that somebody would show up with a 12 pack and they start calling their friends and next thing you know there's like 20 people in the house just like a party just happens and it's a tuesday afternoon yeah exactly <laughs> and so i'm feeling like well i'm gonna start cutting back you know uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna smoke or drink today the day yeah. i said that dude satan sent out his minions man because right some friend it's i had free at that point yeah some friend i hadn't seen in months would knock on my door hey bro hadn't seen you forever i got some beer some weed i'm like well i'm not paying for it at least start making excuses and mm. I realize when I'm saying I'm I'll cut back I'm really holding on right it was not a surrender right 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 and and so finally New Year's 2013 
I, I made a New Year's resolution with God. I said, God, I keep trying in my own strength. I am weak. You are strong. I fail every time. I'm giving you permission to take this from me. Mm. God is not a thief. He's not going to come in and steal things that you're cherishing. Right. I was holding on to it. But when I surrendered it to him right. and gave him permission to take it, then he can he's like, you. I will take it. And um, so I, I told him that night, I said, I can't do it, but I want to be free from this. I don't ever want to do it again. You have to give me the strength. Hmm. And that was a bold prayer because I could have fell again and I, maybe it would have shattered my faith or something. But hmm. I woke up the next day without a single withdrawal, man. This was supernatural wow. because every day, people say weed's not addictive. It is. Right. Every day I didn't have weed, I was irritable all day, and I was looking for it the whole day. Interesting. Every time, every day around time to get off work, uh, I'd start feeling nauseous, and it would go away magically when I drink my beer. So hmm. I knew that these were withdrawal symptoms that were gone overnight. Hmm. And so that was the hardest part, and I realized that God did it. And I was starting to hear... You know, the people I was studying with was talking about jewelry and things, and I had already got rid of most of my piercings, but I did have these huge bottle Gages. cap things in my ears, and um, I didn't, I wasn't convinced. I was like, well, you know, it's mm. not like I'm putting gold in my ears. This is just rubber, and right. it's not a big deal. And um, the night that I told God that I was surrendering everything to Him, I woke up. I'd fallen asleep on the couch, and I woke up, and both these plugs were out of my ears. And I was frantically searching for them in the couch, and I was, when I found them, I was looking at them, and I was like, they might not be gold, but I was mm. searching for them like they were gold. Interesting. I'm going to take this as a sign, and I'm just not going to put them back in. So that was like a paradigm wow. shift in my life. New Year's wow. 2013, man, was like, wow. so, man, God is so good. But he got to that point, point, and uh, even to the point where I got here, man. So, yeah, so how did you get here? <laughs> how did you get inside of Little Light Studios? Yeah, that prayer was just too big to even ask. You know, I, I tell people all the time, we don't pray big enough for God. He wants to answer the big prayers. That's right. And I didn't pray, uh, Lord, can I work for Little Light Studios? Because I'm looking at the stuff. I'm like, they got graphic designers, video editor. This <laughs> stuff looks good. They're in California. Little do people know it's, in, it's generally <laughs> three of us. Yeah, you know, yeah. it took ten years. Or, yeah, yeah. It took two years to make that documentary. But you guys were in California. I was in Chattanooga, and at this point, I wasn't going to move to California now. And um, so one day, I got invited to be on a commercial because I had tattoos. Oddly enough, they they were looking for somebody that looked like they were a party animal that they were going to give a, a testimony track to or whatever. And so I show up at this shoot, and I get in the car with you and Keith, and because uh, it was raining, and we're waiting on some of the other people to show up. And as we're talking. Somehow it got mentioned that you guys were at Little Light Studios. I was like, whoa, you guys came all the way here from California to shoot this commercial? And you're like, actually, we moved here like a year ago. I'm like, what? And so I'm just you know, telling you how much I like your stuff and how I have a burden for the youth, and I really admire what you're doing and wish I could do the same thing. And um, so I, because we had kind of talked a little bit, you told me about that you were doing these video Bible studies these little five-minute Bible studies, and invited me to come and, and shoot one on the Mark of the Beast issue. And uh, while I was there, I was just kind of jokingly saying, don't you guys want to start printing T-shirts? Because kind of my side hobby was screen printing T-shirts. And you were like, well, your machine fit right here in your basement. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And you said, I'm serious. <laughs> so, uh, so I started like working. Um, another thing was I went to the SALT program, and when I came out of that, my job only allowed me to work uh, three days a week because they 
had to go to part-time. So two days a week, I was coming to Little Light and printing t-shirts. And then just over time, it, you know, our, our relationship yeah, grew yeah. and, and I, I worked on a video. I was like, oh, you can video edit. And then, you know, the crew was able to expand. And so yeah, it's been, it became it, full-time. It's been really neat because um, my, my friendship with you is, is, is blossomed. And I'm encouraged, um, you know, to hear your story. But to have that perspective to jump on board and then to see your creativity. And I mean, you, you, you can do graphic design, you can edit, you can do all these things that uh, it just, it just has been really neat to see our little team expand and grow. But I, I, I love it. I mean, you know, looking at pictures of you coming mm. from that to now having an opportunity to come in and really win souls, um, you know, through our YouTube channel or whatever, sharing your, your testimony, but also connecting with people that won your heart over, you know, like yeah. understanding the mark of the beast and these, these, these topics that talk about what the end of the world is going to be like. And, um, you know, I don't think that we, I don't, I don't think we talk about these things enough, yeah. you know, there's not enough ministries that do this. So, um, I agree. I think sometimes we get stuck in our little bubble. We don't really evangelize enough. And, and there's a world out there with questions, especially now that things are getting kind of crazy with this virus thing and everything. And people are starting to, what, is, what did your Bible say again? That's right. <laughs> but God changes lives. He changes the desires of your heart. I used to print T-shirts for metal bands, and I used to make music videos. And now God has taken those same talents and allowing me to use them at this ministry where we make cool Christian t-shirts and we That's make right. videos that share the truth. So he gave me those gifts for a reason. I was using them in the wrong way and he changed the desires of my heart and opened up the doors so that I could use them. And God's just so awesome how he does that. That's right. I believe that God can literally change anybody. I mean, I, I too have the similar story of if you would have seen me in my Hollywood days yeah. and told me that someday I would be a part of a ministry and share Christ with the world. I would have laughed at you and said you're insane, um, but you know here I am today, and uh, here you are today, uh, literally a changed man. So, you know there's 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 power in the Bible. There's mm -hmm. power in pleading with God, praying with God, and if you ask those simple prayers, I mean look at that. God meets you where you're at, yep. as you can kind of just see from Mikey's testimony. God doesn't knee-jerk you and all of a sudden be like, okay, fine, you, you need to wear all white from here yeah. on out and yeah. do this and that. And he, he, he takes those little steps to bring you closer to him. And if you allow him into your heart, he will change you Amen. from the inside out. So right. um, thanks, Mikey, for sharing that with us. You know, it's always encouraging to me to see the path of how God leads a soul to his, his kingdom and for his purposes. And I can only imagine, like, one of the enjoyments that we're going to get when we get to heaven is literally walking around and being like, dude, Nebuchadnezzar, what yeah. was it like? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how did, what was the point that you actually said, all right, I give my heart to God? Yeah. And so, um, you know, testimonies are powerful. And I just want you guys to know that there is nobody too far gone. Listen, right. if you have a son, a daughter, a family member, a cousin, a friend, you name it, that you know is straight up giving their life to Satan, like what you were doing, a part of the occult, blaspheming God, they're not too far gone. Right. In fact, God can win that soul and take them and literally turn them around and use them for his purposes. Yeah, use those people to witness to people who are in that because... 
we're all different parts of the body. You're not going to be able to win somebody in the occult if you don't know anything about it, you know, or whatever. So, um, this is true. Yeah. My my idol was filmmaking and 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 movies and things. That was my idol. And so for me to kind of come and share what God has taught me through that, it gives me this um, this ability to sort of enter into God's work. But I'm, but I'm using something that tripped me up down yeah. the road. And, you know, you can do the same as well. Like, uh, you know, things that have gotten you caught up in, in whatever, um, God can flip that around and you're going to be a powerful voice to reach other people that are struggling with those same um, addictions or problems and things like that. So, you know, if you guys, uh, anyone watching has ever felt like, how could God possibly use me? I mean, I've just done the worst things in the world. Look at this prime example. You can have a ministry that wins thousands of souls uh, for the kingdom of God. You just have to open your heart and let God change you from the inside out. That's right. We hope you guys were blessed. Thanks for tuning in. And, uh, you know, don't forget to like, subscribe to our channel. We've got tons of content. If you're new to this channel, um, we have a passion for sharing the gospel, especially through um, things like pop culture and, and topics that the youth deal with. So ooh, thank you guys for watching. And we'll catch you around on the next one. Awesome in all your ways, and my ears are heavy.
Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, let's read the first five verses. If you have that, say amen. Come on and read aloud with me. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, 
to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I want to stop at this point, and I certainly want you to refer back to verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Uh, at the 6 a.m. worship, we spoke to you about the resurrection. At 9 o'clock, we spoke about uh, Paul preached the resurrection. Now I want to talk to you about after the resurrection. After the resurrection. It is certainly true that in John chapter 19 and verse 30, Jesus said it is finished. He was hanging upon the cross and this was one of the seven last sayings of our Lord. So he really did not need to stay around after the resurrection to complete the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation was completed as Jesus hung upon the cross and of course he was able to take a panoramic glance and a retrospective view of all of the prophecies that had been written concerning him. Prophecies concerning his birth, prophecies concerning even where uh, he would operate as far as the headquarters of his ministry. Prophecy had determined that he would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Prophecy had determined that he would have to go down into Egypt that it might be fulfilled out of Egypt have I called my son. But also Isaiah wrote something concerning uh, the land of uh, Zebulun and Naphtali. And that would be the way of the coast. And this would be where his headquarters would be established. So Jesus established his headquarters in Capernaum. That was in the area that Isaiah had talked about. Everything that he did during his uh, time here upon this earth, he was always conscious of what the prophets had said about him. So consequently, as he is hanging upon the cross and all of the prophecies had been fulfilled, Isaiah had determined that a highway shall be there and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the word way, a highway, is a connecting link. So as he hung between the heavens and the earth, one hand symbolically stretched forth God, toward God, and the other hand symbolically stretched toward man, he declares that I am the way, I am the connecting link. And when Isaiah said the highway would be there, every part of it had been put in place except for the connecting link. And now I am here. I am the way. So Isaiah's highway is complete. Everything that has been spoken of me is complete. 
except there's one passage that said I would be given vinegar to drink. So when he saw that had not been fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And they gave him a sponge filled with vinegar. And after taking the sponge filled with vinegar, he recognized every prophecy now has been accomplished. And thus he said, it is finished. All of the prophecies. But he stayed around here after he got up out of the grave in order that many questions would not be hanging around. They had said that when Jesus arose from the grave, and the soldiers that were eyewitnesses of the resurrection, eyewitnesses of the angel that came and rolled back the stone. And when the soldiers went back to report to their superiors, they said, don't tell this. Don't let anybody hear this. But we'll give you some money to tell a lie. Say that he did not arise, but you fellas went to sleep. Now we know that there's a penalty for going to sleep on the job. But uh, you can tell that lie and we'll cover for you. And we'll make sure that no harm comes to you. So they went on and tried to tell people that his disciples had stolen him away. But Jesus decided, I'm going to stay here for about 40 days and appear to different ones here and there. So they'll know that my body was not stolen, but that in reality I really did arise. Now, he appeared to his disciples on miscellaneous occasions. It was really about 11 times all total that he appeared. There are five or six that are outstanding. He appeared to Mary Magdalene in John 20 and 15, and she thought he was the gardener. He appeared to the 10 disciples. I say 10 because Judas has already hung himself. And in this particular setting, Thomas, who is called Didymus, was not present. So in John 20, verses 19 through 24, he appeared in that upper room to ten disciples. Eight days later, in John 20 and 26, he appeared to the eleven, because on this occasion, Thomas was present. Then he appeared to two disciples on the Emmaus Road, Luke 24, verse 13. He appeared to the disciples on the bank of the sea where they had returned going back fishing. And that was in the 21st chapter of John. Matthew 28 and Mark 16 records the Great Commission where he appeared to his disciples and told them to go into all the world. And one of them said he commanded them to teach all nations. And another he said preach the gospel to every creature. But it is both giving an account of the same appearance. Finally, here that we have just read in the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. Here, it does not tell us the exact meeting, but being assembled together with them. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Now that is significant in that 11 of the men whom Jesus chose were Galileans. Judas was the only Judean. The other 11 were Galileans. Judas was the only one who was a Judean. And Jerusalem was uh, located in Judea. Now remember Palestine, that the towns and cities in that province called Galilee, it lay to the northern part of Palestine. 
and then uh, between Galilee and Judea was Samaria, and down at the south was Judea. So Jesus, well, I hope I'm not going too fast for you all. Jesus knew that these men were really Galileans. Well, why were they in Judea, in Jerusalem of Judea? Because God had already determined three times a year all of the males in Israel had to appear before the Lord in the holy city of Jerusalem. So they had come from Galilee into Judea because it was feast time. It was the feast of Passover. And Jesus, who is our Passover lamb, he couldn't die at any other season other than the season of Passover. So the Passover lamb, he had given his life. He had gone into the grave. He had gotten up that third day morning. So the business of those men of Israel was really finished in Jerusalem. It was time for them to go back home to Galilee. But Jesus said, I don't want you to leave Judea. Don't leave Jerusalem. There's something else I want you to have. Before I went to the cross, you had me. Whenever you got in trouble, Jesus would let them know that, Peter, when your taxes were due, you had me. I told you to go and catch a fish and look in his mouth, and it was enough money there to pay your taxes. Peter, when your mother was sick, your mother-in-law, when she was sick, I went to your house and touched her and healed her from a fever. When you were hungry in the wilderness, I was able to take two fish and five loaves of bread and feed the hungry multitude of 5,000 men, not counting the women of the children. Whenever you got in trouble, you had me. But I want you to know now my work on earth is done, and I've got to go back into the throne room. Now I don't want you to go back to Galilee by yourself. I told you the other night in the upper room that I would pray the Father, and he would give you another comforter. I've been your comforter. I've been your companion. I've been the one that you look to for everything. But now that I'm going away, I've been with you. But I want you to have the power of God in you. Oh, hallelujah. Wherever, where you go, you won't be able to go anywhere without being accompanied by the power and the presence of God. And you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you know the thing that I notice here, Jesus said, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to be witnesses unto me in all Judea, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and unto the utmost part of the world. And Jesus specifically stated that the Holy Ghost would give them power to be witnesses. Witnesses of Jesus Christ, yes but witnesses of what particular instance in his life? Witness of the resurrection. And do you not know that most Christians, most Pentecostal Christians, we don't even know yet the real meaning for which we have the Holy Ghost? Jesus did say these signs shall follow them that believe, and one of the signs was they will speak with new tongues. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came, they spoke with other tongues. 
and we of Pentecostal persuasion in the Church of God in Christ and other Pentecostal organizations, we believe that the believer, once he receives the Holy Ghost, that he speaks with tongues as an initial evidence. But the Holy Ghost does not come to make you speak with tongues. And you folks that think that because you're talking in tongues, that's all the Holy Ghost is for, I'm sorry for you. He will speak through you, but that's not why he came. Jesus sent the Holy Ghost to the disciples in order that they could be effective witnesses of the resurrection. You think about it. What makes Christianity different? from other religions. There are a lot of religions that will teach you don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't lie. Hello, somebody. If you think Christianity is the only religion that teaches you to live a good moral life, you're wrong. There are a lot of religions that will teach you to live a good moral life. But even though they teach you to live a moral life, they don't give you the power. Hallelujah. The first chapter of John says of Jesus, he came to his own. His own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even them that believed on his name. Christianity not only teaches you how to live, but when you receive Christ, he becomes the power of the force within you that enables you to live according to his word. Oh, hallelujah. And then the other outstanding point about Christianity is after you shall have lived the Christian life on this earth. Other religions, once you go down into the grave, that's it. Their philosophy, no matter how it is phrased, it simply means when you're dead, you're done. But Christianity says that when life goes out of this body, it's not the end. Jesus alone gives you the hope of everlasting life through the power of the resurrection. And you people that's trying to live and get all you can and can all you get because you think all that I'm going to get, my heaven and my hell, all of it is right here, I'm sorry for you because this is not where it ends. The hope of the Christian is that just like Jesus mastered death, came out of that tomb, declaring all power in heaven and in earth is in my hand. And because I live, you shall live also. The same resurrection power that was in him, if you are saved, you have it living in you. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Everlasting life is not something that you will get in the grave but it's something that you've got right now if you are saved you have everlasting life right now oh y'all don't hear me praise god so jesus led him out as far as under bethany are you still with me in acts chapter one and i'm almost finished when they therefore will come together i'm looking at verse six they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? These men of Israel were concerned with the kingdom. 
the kingdom. Lord, the Jerusalem has been trodden under the feet of Gentiles. We are now under Roman occupation. Before the Romans got here, there was Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. Before Alexander the Great, there was the Media Persian Kingdom. Before the Media Persian Kingdom came, there was the Babylonian Empire. Lord, we want to go back to the days, the great days when King David sat upon the throne, when we were a kingdom, when men and women came from far and near to see the holy city, to see the city of the great king. So we want to know, Master, now that you've gone to the cross, now that you have gone into the grave, now that you've come out with all power in your hand, will you at this time restore the kingdom unto Israel? But I hear Jesus saying, it is not for you to know. The times are the seasons that the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the world. And all I want you to do is when you go and tell men the gospel of Jesus Christ, let them know that your Lord and Savior, that he's not somewhere dead on a Palestinian hillside, but let them know that I got up out of Joseph's new tomb and that all power in the heaven and the earth is in my hand. And I want you to tell it with authority. I want you to tell it with power. I want you to tell it with conviction. And some of us, we never have any power. We never have any conviction because some of us are just dull. Some of us are just uninteresting by nature. But when you wait before God until he fills you with the Holy Ghost, when you wait before God, until the Holy Ghost becomes a burning in your spirit. When you start telling people about this thing, they've got to know that there's more to it than just your imagination. Don't you know that the reason churches have been full all day, people got up, some didn't even go to bed last night, made their way to sanctuaries and hilltop temples and made their way to outdoor services and everybody wanting to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive and well. Somebody put out a lie that he's dead. But I heard the choir saying, and if God is dead, then tell me, how do I know that he's living in my heart? Tell me if God is dead. Where did you lay his body? If God is dead, how is it that he came out and snatched his feet out of the jaws? Out of the jaws of defeat. He snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat. Life out of death. Victory over the grave. If he's dead, why didn't I get a telegram? Because I'm one of his children. Oh, he's not dead, but he's very much alive. And because he lives, 
not living today. I'm not serving a memory. I'm not serving a dead Jew. But I serve a risen Savior. He's in this world today. I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I feel his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And every time I need him, he's always near. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along this narrow way. He lives. Salvation he imparts. You ask me how. I know he lives. He lives down in my heart. Yay. Glory to God. When Jesus finished telling them to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. All of a sudden, he lifted his hands and began to bless them. And while he was blessing them, gravitation that could hold that other body down, the body that he had before he went in the grave. But when he went in the grave, something happened to that body. When the blood was drained out on Golgotha's ugly brow, and when they wrapped him up and put him in Joseph's new tomb. According to Peter, the body was reposed in sleep, but the spirit of my God went down in the spirit world, went back into the antediluvian period. Those that were alive before the flood of Noah's time, and he held a revival back there and preached to the spirits that were in prison. Hey, glory. And while the revival was going on, the clock kept on ticking. And in his spirit, he knew it was the third day. Well, fellas, I got to go. The devil tried to stop him. Demons tried to catch a hold to him. But the Bible said he rendered them helpless. He made a show of them openly. And he came out of the grave with all power in his hand. And that body came out Easter morning in a glorified state. It was a body gravitation couldn't control. So while he was blessing his disciples out there at the city of Bethany, gravitation couldn't stop him. He caught the nearest cloud and started going up. And I see two angels, my God, standing by. And the disciples were looking up. And while they were looking up, the two angels touched them and said, Hey, you men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus that you see going up. The same Jesus that walked in Galilee. The same Jesus that talked beside the sea. The same Jesus that hung and bled on the cross. Jesus, he's coming back again. Ah, I want to be ready. Ah. Oh, yeah. When he comes, ah, when he comes, it's going to be like a thief and a robber by night. He that's holy, let him be holy still. 
He that's righteous, let him be righteous still. He that's filthy, let him be filthy still. Oh, when he comes, when he comes, I want to be caught up, caught up to meet him in the air. I'm going to quit. Hey, Lord. I'm glad that this is not the end of the story. You read in the storybooks and the heroes always keep the glory for themselves but Jesus if you let me paraphrase it he'll tell you I started out in heaven I didn't have to go through all that I didn't have to leave the hallelujahs of heaven I didn't have to come down and look at how low he came. He left heaven. Somebody said if he stopped at the sun, it would have been a brighter world. If he stopped at the moon, it would have been a saner world. If he had stopped at Jupiter, it would have been a mightier world. If he stopped at Mercury, it would have been a faster moving world. By Saturn and the other planets, he was not seen. And Mars had no men which he could redeem. But I'm glad that I can say, to take my feet out of the miry clay, he came all, he came all the way down, down to poverty, down to being despised, down into the filth of this earth, down to mingle with filthy sinners, down to be talked about, 
scandalized and spat on. And he went down into the earth. And then when he got up out of the grave, he didn't do anything but go back to where he started. He didn't have to do that for himself, but he did it for you and me. He became sin that we could be righteous. He became poor that we could be rich. He died that we could live. You don't hear what I'm saying? And when it came up out of the grave, he had defeated our enemy. But I heard Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, But thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered it all for you. He suffered it all for me. Hey! He got up out of the grave to let us know that death is not the end of your life. He got up out of the grave to let you know a cold, dirty grave will not be your eternal home. And I don't know about you, but when I think about it, I get excited. Something in me want to say hallelujah. Something in me want to say glory. My feet want to run when nobody's after me. Tears start flowing when I don't have nothing to cry about. Somebody thank God that his resurrection is not the end of the story.
put your heads together right now. Listen, I don't know where you're listening to this at. Maybe in your car, or you're at the crib. Maybe at the mall, the country club, maybe in the hospital. You could even be on lockdown. But I dare you to get this in your spirit. Speak to your situation and say, I will Put your hands together. Freddie P, can you let him know something? I will bless his holy name. Whether in good time, sorrow, sunshine, or in rain. Everything in me will find the reason to bless his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah.